Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the show. It's, uh, yeah, May 4th, I know that. I just parked my car in front of a sign that said, no parking, May 4th. (laughs) And you know why I did that? I did that so I could be here with you on time. I did. I'm going to take a, what is it, $40 hit? Is that usually what it is for no I don't even know if it's posted. No, I don't know. Just for you guys, I did that. Um, I want to say that um, I want to, though, carp a bit, if you don't mind. It's my microphone. I get to carp, especially since this whole thing cost me, it's going to cost me money today. Um, geez, I hope it's out of toe zone. Anyway, uh it's it's marked no parking this long long block on liberty uh i assume because the pittsburgh marathon is sunday and the liberty is like where i think do things start on liberty and they've got to you know i guess get the street ready but there's no way they're getting the street ready on friday because there are people down here working. Um, so the, the the posting of no parking at nine a from nine a.m. on is really over overdoing what their genuine need is. I know that when I go back and have a ticket on my car, I will not see that anything has happened that my car impeded. So it pisses me off, and I park there just as a matter of principle. And because I couldn't find a place that didn't say no parking. Damn. So anyway, speaking of that, I just have to um, uh, give you a little update on, you may not even remember this, but uh, on a bleak, snowy day in January, um, after the show, I went out to get in my car, which was on William Penn Place, and um, it wasn't there anymore. (laughs) That's an awful feeling, isn't it, when you go to get your car, to get in, and it isn't there. It's happened to me four times in my life, twice because the car had been stolen and twice because it had been towed. And I thought it had been stolen because I had parked, I had paid, I had, I was in a perfectly legitimate spot. So I called the cops. I rushed back in here, called the cops. The cops said they would uh, send somebody up. And I waited here for a police officer. Meanwhile, I called my uh, insurance company. And um, finally... uh, the cops called and said that they checked and my car had been towed. And I said, well, why? And they said, it's no parking, it's this, it's that, it's big, your car's been towed, here's where it is. So I I was just stunned. How could it be towed? I've parked in that exact same space a million times. Actually, it's right in front of one of those signs that say, parking, here to, cor- here to corner. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I had to call an Uber. The Uber guy came and uh, knew exactly where to go because he picks up a lot of, the you know, Uber drivers pick up a lot of people who end up at the some tow pound or other. I go there, and of course, um, they shake me down for, I think it was $145 uh, to get my car back. And um, and I'm looking at a, a parking ticket that was really high. I forget what it was. It was huge. And all told, I mean, this amounted to like as much as, oh, close to $400. <laughs> altogether. And so I looked at the ticket and I thought, I am not guilty. So I 
said, I'm not guilty. I pled not guilty, and I was told that I would get uh, my day in court. And this was not a regular traffic court. This was actually uh, a court court, um, something I had never been in before, and it made me nervous, but I thought, I'll do it because I know I'm right. And I sent in, as they suggested I did, any evidence I had on my behalf. And so I sent in pictures of exactly where my car had been, of the sign that said parking here at a corner. I sent in a receipt of the parking that I had paid at that space at that time. And um, I had to send in all the money, too. They make you send in the, the fine. So I did, and then I waited to hear when my day in court would come. I never heard anybody. I never heard a thing. So I called about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, and I said, has something happened? Because I, would, I, I want a day in court. First of all, I want my money back because I'm innocent. And they said, oh, no, well, we're, you have not set a court date. And I'm just, what kind of bull is that? It was January. I think the, they never cashed my check. I'll tell you why they haven't cashed the check. They haven't cashed the check because they took one look at my evidence and said, Jesus, what kind of idiot gave out this ticket and called the tow pound? So now I'm going to add to the, the damage. Un, just These are, and I've said this before, I know, these are the petty annoyances uh, that make people anti-government, that uh, make people anti-bureaucrat that make people uh, lose days of their lives. I mean, this is the kind of stress. These are stressors. I can handle that outlay of money. Uh, but a lot of people couldn't. A lot of people couldn't even afford to get their car back. And if they were innocent as I know I am and then they knowing I'm innocent don't give me the court date so I can go plead my case and get my money back they owe me that the tow uh, money and they owe me whatever I mean that the check they haven't cashed what a <laughs> so if any of you have I mean do you get a court date what within the year are they that busy? Is it that much of a bollocked up uh, affair? God almighty. Anyway, so I know today I would have no, no case. And I'm going to have a ticket. But I said before, there's no way it should have been posted at 9 a.m. today, which is a work day downtown, when the damn marathon is Sunday morning. You got all day. Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night to set up. It's not like a huge setup. It's putting out barriers. <laughs> That's what it is. It's public works doing what they've done. They can do in their sleep. Okay, I'm done. I know that's not why you tune in, but... <sighs> you go see Stormy? Uh, I'm just asking, because if we could get a uh, eyewitness report, it would, might be uh, fun. No? Okay. So the gutless uh, Paul Ryan shows again how gutless he is. We know he doesn't stand up to Donald Trump. Uh, we know he doesn't stand up to anybody. We know he didn't even have the nerve to, when he wanted to fire the House chaplain, uh, send his chief of staff to do it, a rather Trumpian thing, right? Didn't have the nerve to go to the priest himself and say, Father, you're out of here. I want your resignation. So he sends his chief of staff to tell the 
to tell uh, Father Conroy um, he wants your resignation. Father Conroy was stunned, wrote his resignation, and um, made clear in his resignation letter that he was um, doing so because he had been asked to resign, which is essentially I, he was fired. Um, and then, you know, all hell broke loose. Uh, other people in the house were stunned. Uh, nobody was getting any really good answers about why Father Conroy <laughs> was was uh, told to resign. He said he would. I mean, it was he would resign effective. I think it was the end of this month. So all of a sudden, yesterday, after seeing the support that he had, <laughs> Father Conroy got. Uh, decided he would write another letter to Speaker Ryan and and um, take back his uh, resignation, which he did. And the letter, which is available online, that he wrote to uh, Paul Ryan is, is, a, is a real eye-opener. I'll give you the big eye-opening part. He said in the letter yesterday when he rescinded his his uh, resignation, he said this to Speaker Ryan. When the Speaker's chief of staff came to tell him, he said, I inquired as to whether or not it was for cause. And Mr. Burks mentioned dismissively something like, Maybe it's time we had a chaplain that wasn't a Catholic. Uh, and Father Conroy went on to say that Burks also mentioned my November prayer and an interview with the National Journal Daily. Well, the November prayer was, we were told, when we first learned of this uh, surprising resignation, was a prayer that he had given. That's his job to do prayers before God and man. <laughs> before these members of the house start doing the things they do, which, of course, we don't have a prayer. Anyway, in that prayer, which apparently offended Speaker Ryan, it was when they were doing their wonderful tax bill. And he had asked for, and here are his quotes from the prayer. He had hoped that the people in the House made efforts to guarantee that there are not winners and losers under any new tax laws, but benefits balanced and shared by all Americans. Speaker Ryan, of course, took offense. <laughs> how, do you, how do you take offense at somebody saying he hopes that the legislation that you all are about to pass, that, that it doesn't benefit one group over another and that you try to make sure that there are no losers here? Of course, it's truly impossible, but it was seen, I guess, as sort of a communistic socialistic, uh, liberal, democratic, progressive, uh, you know, poor-loving uh, kind of a statement. Unbelievable. So anyway, he decided he was re not going to resign. After all, figuring out that he had actually, he was in the position of uh, strength here, and Speaker Ryan didn't look like he had a lot of company. And so, of course the spineless uh, Speaker Ryan folded immediately and uh, rescinded the... There's <laughs> a lot of rescinding going on. Rescinded the uh, original request that Father Conroy resign. I mean, what's, what's fascinating to me here is the anti-Catholicism. Um, and... 
I know that other people, uh, Catholics, and what's interesting is Ryan's Catholic. I think he should go to church more often. Uh, and as I said, the fact that there has never been anything other than a Catholic or a Protestant uh, chaplain uh, looks looks a little bit like establishment of religion, which is unconstitutional. There are members of the House who are Muslim. There are members of the House who are Jews. There are members of the House who I suspect are Buddhist, Hindu, um, a number of members that are not Christian. And the fact that in the entire history of the Congress of the United States of America, there has never been a non-Christian chaplain, uh, starts looking like there's only one religion. Now, granted, they can argue the majority of the House is Christian. Well, fine and dandy. The majority of the United States is Christian. It's still quite clear we are not to call ourselves a Christian nation because our Constitution forbids the establishment of religion. I think it would be wonderful if they, uh, I don't know, give it to a Wiccan. That would blow everybody's mind. So Trump and uh, his pal Giuliani <laughs> uh, are, are giving the Keystone cops a run for their money, no doubt about it. And I said yesterday these two are made for each other, but there's not a stage big enough to hold them both. So this this bromance ain't gonna work, ain't gonna last long. That's my that's my uh, prediction, I think. But Trump is running out of people that he feels comfortable with. And maybe Rudy will be able to hang in there. Um, I don't know, but he is almost as, maybe every bit as narcissistic as Trump. Uh, they're both uh, bulls in china shops. They're both uh, given to intemperate uh, remarks, and they are both uh, media whores. And so I just I I can't uh, I can't imagine uh, it lasting. But you had some interesting pushback uh, yesterday from their side, uh, the enablers of Trump uh, slash Giuliani. Uh, one of which, of course, is the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which said this Tr today. Trump's most ardent backers believe that these charges, you know, Stormy Daniels stuff, uh, are not relevant to his uh, public role as president. And that may be true, says the Wall Street Journal, regarding whether Mr. Trump had an affair more than a decade ago. Voters knew he was no choir boy. But Mr. Trump's public deceptions are surely relevant to his job as president, says the Wall Street Journal. Deceptions, not lies. Why use a single-syllable word that is much more apt than when you can use a uh, three-syllable word that fudges the truth a little bit? But Mr. Trump's public deceptions are surely relevant to his job as president, and the attempted cover-up, when have we heard this before, has done greater harm than any affair would have. Mr. Trump asked Americans to believe his claims about the payments. They were false. And now, as more of his story has emerged, 
He wants everyone to believe a new story that he could have told the first time. Mr. Trump, says the Wall Street Journal, is compiling a record that increases the likelihood that few will believe him during a genuine crisis. Say a dispute over speaking with General Counsel Mueller or a nuclear showdown with Kim Jong-un, his other pal. Mr. Trump should worry that Americans will stop believing anything, he says. Well, I would just like to go on record uh, to the Wall Street Journal as saying that uh, a whole bunch of us are already there and have been there even before he took office because we're not stupid. This guy is incapable of telling the truth. And Giuliani's exactly the same. And so now they're expecting us to believe this latest iteration. And who knows if it's quite true. As I long ago stopped believing anything that came out of his mouth. So you have the Wall Street Journal essentially calling him a liar. And uh, you also had on Fox News uh, yesterday um, and you know, I don't watch it, but I did see um, uh, this is getting a lot of coverage because uh, what is his name? Neil Caputo? Cavuto? Cavuto? Oh, stop, stop. I didn't want to run it. Hey, stop it. Um, did a monologue in, in which she essentially said, hey, uh, Trump, Mr. Trump, Mr. President, sir. I mean, still, he was very... I know you're a busy man, blah, 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 blah. There was all this silliness. Um, but he said, uh, <laughs> I thought you went to Washington to drain the swamp. And um, you're now, uh, I think he said, muddying the waters, which is a slap on the wrist kind of a statement. But coming from Fox um, and and speaking to that audience, um, that has some has some punch. And so, you know, so I'm I'm looking at a U, Milt sent me a YouTube of it, and before I can see Cavuto's uh, thing, I am watching instead here an NRA ad. And of course, that's that would be and oh, there's a guy, and he shoot. Wow! 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 He's Boom, 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 and, and, oh, wow. Oh, he's doing it again. And he's, whoa, this is a two-minute ad from NRA TV. Woof, woof, woof. I, I, I see how you guys get off, and his muscles are bulging as he's doing it, and he's clearly, I mean, it's, I don't even know if I can continue. I'm sort of, I, well. It's so arousing. It's like, you know, guys can be so, so clueless about how, um, they, how needy they are for these kind of phallic, uh, symbolisms in their lives. Um, there's not a woman alive who has not had the experience of walking across an intersection with uh, a guy stopped in his car who does vroom, vroom, steps on the gas pedal as you get in front to say, hey, baby, ho, ho, little I'm going to put the pedal to the metal and give you a little vroom, vroom. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing. And I just, these, same kind of thing. Remember a few years ago when I told you I went home to Green Bay to see my mom and my brother was there and my son and they all got the great idea of going out to a shooting range and they forced me to go? Well, they didn't force me. I said, all right. I'll go. I thought it would be an excursion, an interesting little 
piece of uh, the world that I hadn't encountered before. So off I went, and and I had said, I'm not going to shoot, I'm not going to shoot, and then they browbeat me into shooting. So I, I just had a, you know, some, I said, I don't want anything major, I just want a little whatever, some gun, I forget what it was. Was it a gun? Yeah. And um, I only shot two bullets. The first shot I took, <laughs> I injured myself. <laughs> Here's how. It was just mind-blowing. I couldn't believe it. I felt immediate pain. I pulled the trigger and, ah, and screamed. And why? Because the shell casing flew up and 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 hit me right there. I actually have a slight scar because it was burning hot and it bang hit me right on my cleavage area. <laughs> so um I only, after I calmed down, decided to do one more shot. And, and then I realized, oh, I see how you aim. And there was this little thing. And so I was aiming at that target. And this time I did it. And, man, right through the guy's head. So <laughs> I think, you know, I'm probably capable of being a pretty damn good shot if I'm not busy injuring myself. So I hated every minute of it. The sound is horrifying, the kick, the power that you're unleashing to me is mind-blowing. And the fact that it exists only to kill. Although some people think it's fun. Okay, fine. Some people think it's fun to, you know, go on roller coasters. I don't. I just, whatever. I like to live a rather sedate existence. Little Tony! Ha <laughs> ha! Responding to my remark that uh, maybe Speaker Ryan should uh, head to Mass a little bit more. Uh, has a great repost. He said, sorry, Lynn, vampires cannot enter church buildings. <laughs> See, my mom doesn't think he's a vampire. She th Oh, yeah, that's a vampire. Dracula. Dracula's a vampire. Right. He does. He has a Draculish look. It's, I think it's the hair. Um, Tony says, when I see his face on the screen, I have to turn my gaze away in fear I might join the undead. What an SOB. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, and, and I know um, another uh, thing. Paul Ryan should know better than to mess with a Jesuit, right? Yeah. I love the Jesuits. Don't mess with them, okay? Now let's hear it for Father Conroy. I don't even know if I'd like the guy, but I like him because I like, uh, you know, the, what, enemy of my enemy is my friend. So there's Father Conroy. Um, okay, here's a piece that, uh, well, actually, I have something a little lighter. To start with, you ever been to Ikea? Sure you have. Um, I used to go there a lot. I think it's fascinating. Of course, you know, ultimately you end up tearing your hair. It's an old joke. It's not a joke. I, I once put my son's a desk for my son together, although it had a flaw. But I thought the flaw showed that it was done with love by me uh, ineptly. And, and, and the f flaw was that I had originally, like, had the wrong, I don't know, but there's a big hole in the top of the desk where I had uh, screwed something that wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, but I sort of, I like the fact that it wasn't, you know, perfection is <laughs> really overrated. It's dull, perfection. What always makes things interesting are the the imperfections the uh the 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 roads off 
the straight and narrow. I mean, clearly, perfection, ugh. that's like, you know, the Stepford Wives. That's perfection. That's what perfection ends up being. And I'm really afraid that with artificial intelligence, that's where uh, humanity is going. This idea that we can have perfect children, you can screw around with their genes, and you can, you know, if things aren't quite right, you can implant stuff, and everybody will be perfect, have perfect eyesight, and perfect hearing, and perfect this and perfect that. Oh, God. What a bore. Anyway, Ikea. I bring it up because it's probably, do you think it's Sweden's biggest import, I mean export to the U.S.? I don't know, can you think of any any other? What's a great Swedish import to the United States? Let's get into cultural appropriation here. What did we glom onto, take from those Swedes, and make it American? Uh, well... The reason I bring this up, actually, is because the first Swede I was really aware of ever was uh, Ingmar Johansson. Was that his name? He had this wonderful dimple in his chin, and he was a uh, a heavyweight boxer, I think. Wasn't he? This feel, it feels like from my childhood, and I don't, it just came to my head, Ingmar Johansson. Why? Might not even be right. Anyway. Ikea. If you go to Ikea, they also have like a little restaurant, a little cafeteria, and the big thing on the menu are, yes, Swedish meatballs. A Swedish meatballs. Uh, the New York Times today breaking a story. Astonishing. Swedish meatballs, it turns out are not Swedish. And it's considered the signature national dish of Sweden, and it is not Swedish. The country, the government, has acknowledged this on its Twitter account. Wow. Why, it's like apple pie not being American. Turns out, and this is what the Swedish government has told its now crestfallen uh, citizenry. Quote, Swedish meatballs are actually based on a recipe King Charles XII brought home from Turkey in the early 18th century. So Swedish meatballs are Turkish. Just saying. Meanwhile, over in Turkey, there are, you know, people have taken to the streets. They're thrilled. They appreciate the, uh, the honesty from the Swedish government fessing up uh, to their cultural appropriation. Actually, that's not how the Turks are taking it. Uh, they are, uh, here's Ibrahim Vaisel, um, a chef at a, uh, Turkish, uh, meatball restaurant. Exalted, it says in the New York Times. Here is his quote. It is an honor that these tastes have become an example to different cuisines all over the world. So, in that case, the Turks are thrilled that the Swedes appropriated their meatballs. So anyway, I just want to say, and, and Sweden's, uh, you know, acknowledged it, which is really, that, that's probably the most surprising thing of, uh, of all. King Charles the, what, the 12th, uh, who reigned from 1697 to 1718, and spent some years in exile in the Ottoman Empire, a.k.a. Turkey. And he not only took the meatballs back to Sweden, he took coffee beans and stuffed cabbage. All good. All good. What the hell were the Swedes eating before? 
God almighty. <sighs> oh. Okay, uh, Bar... <laughs> Barbara has sent me a New Yorker article, the headline of which is, The Marriage-Saving Robot That Can Assemble IKEA Furniture. Sort of. Uh, I guess one has. Uh, Science Robotics, that's a magazine, uh, published a paper titled, Can Robots Assemble an IKEA Chair? <laughs> and, um, and the answer is yes. A robot can indeed assemble the chair flawlessly in about 20 minutes. Wow. Wow. Um, it says here, I'm not, I don't have time to read this whole thing now, but I, I'll make a point of it. It says that the IKEA robot's arms move in extreme slow motion. It's like watching two people try to put the IKEA chair together while stoned. That's actually not a bad idea because I did it straight, and straight doesn't work, so maybe stone does. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. What else we got here? I don't got I don't got much from the looks of things. Oh, here's something really bizarre that I saw uh, last night on the uh, internet. Um, as you know, since uh, the Trumpians uh, took over, uh, they have tried uh, mightily to destroy what was known as Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, which which put more people on the insurance rolls than have ever been before. Of course, that is something that a Republican would find uh, unbearably objectionable. Helping people get insurance? And so they have tried in every way they can to, like, screw up the marketplaces to uh, get rid of certain parts of the plan. And one of the things that they have clearly done is uh, budget absolutely next to no money to inform Americans about how they would sign up, uh, when the enrollment periods are, uh, providing uh, the help that when Obama was president was available uh, to navigate the exchanges and all of that. So because they're, they're doing no marketing at all for it, fewer and fewer people, they're, they're, they're starting to, yeah, kneecap it. And fewer and fewer, fewer, I'm having trouble saying that, fewer and fewer you know how there's some words that really make your mouth work? Try to say fewer. Try to say F-E-W-E-R and not contort your lips, your tongue. Seriously. How do ventriloquists do, do that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to move my lips and say fewer. Here we go. Fewer. Fewer. You can't. You can't. Feet. Yeah, you need your teeth, your lips, all that stuff. You got to work it. Fewer, fewer, fewer. So anyway, what was I saying? I hate that when I interrupt myself. Uh, fewer and fewer Americans are, are, are signing up because, number one, they don't know about it. Number two, they're confused about it. Number three, they're, uh, they just, and, and, and people were interviewed for this article and they said, well, I just heard, I heard it was expensive, the premiums, oh, I didn't even bother. I know. I'm So, okay. Um, now, all of that, it, and, and the piece is very um, even-handed, and then it said that Obamacare um, obviously had a lot of problems before uh, the Trump uh, administration came in and tried to totally put it out of its misery. It had affordability problems, um, but... Everything that the Republicans have tried to do is make it worse. 
So you already saw a plateauing of coverage rates in the last year of Obama's presidency. Um, but what the article says is all the actions taken by the Trump administration exacerbated the pre-existing weaknesses that were in the law. And the law was weak, understandably, because it had to pass Congress. And in passing Congress, it had to, you know, be cobbled together so that it, it looked like an Ikea chair that I put would put together, you know. Uh, it was ridiculous. Everybody knows how you make health care universal. <laughs> Every other civilized nation in the world has implemented essentially the same kind of system, but us. Because we're arrogant, we're stubborn, and we're mean. But here's what's weird. So a bunch of people, the Commonwealth Fund, Harvard, a lot of people have done studies about the state of Obamacare and the state of the uninsured in America since Trump. And what they found out is mind-blowing and they don't have an explanation. Because one of the things that all a number of ind different independent studies have all come to the same conclusion is that the insurance rate, uninsured rate, number of people who don't have health insurance, is once again climbing. Whereas under Obama, it went down substantially. Now, of course, under the wonderful, kind-hearted, generous-spirited souls called the Republicans, uh, more and more people are not insured. But here's the weird thing. That you, if you could figure. One of the findings is that the uninsured rate is rising only for Republicans, not Democrats. So the people, if you look at who, who are uninsured and who were insured, they're Republicans. They identify themselves as Republicans. The very people who voted for Donald Trump under his presidency now find themselves once again uninsured. I wonder if they realize this. Are they putting two and two together? I don't know. Here's one of the study's authors. One of the study's authors. I can't explain the increase among people who are just identify as Republicans. I can speculate that it might have to do with all of the repeal and replace efforts or a general sense of confusion, but right now it is perplexing, and I don't really know the cause. Nobody knows. So you elected Trump, you're worse off. That's the way that goes you should have listened to us. Uh, the reporter uh, writing the story also speculated too, and I think um, she is on to something. She says, I'm speculating too, but my hunch is that this might have to do with the fact that it's Republicans who are increasingly uninsured. It could have to do with how different states have responded to the Trump administration's efforts to dismantle the Affordable Care Act. And what has happened is states run by Democrats have continued, have picked up the slack and continued to invest in the kind of outreach work that we saw under the Obama administration, which was letting people know, letting, you know, helping people, that kind of thing, so that you could draw people in and get them insured. 
the reporters thinks that, okay, and in, if you live in a Republican state, you aren't getting any help now because Republican governors and Republican legislate, legislatures did not fill in the gap that was created when the Republican-controlled government pulled out of support for the Affordable Care Act. And so if you live in a Republican state, you're more likely to be a Republican and you're more likely now to be uninsured. Incredible. Oh, I came upon this. Here's a good government kind of thing. I love this. I got this on my, I don't know, I got it on, on Twitter. Um, and it came from my city council person, uh, Erica Strasberger. And she told me something I had not heard. Maybe you have, but because I don't watch local news, I maybe don't get stuff like this. I think this is a fantastic idea. She announced the expansion, I didn't even know they existed, the expansion of sunscreen dispensers in city parks. Have you seen any? So there's these dispensers, you know, they look like, you know, a soap dispenser might. And they're going to be now, there will be in 23 locations citywide so that if you're in a city park, um, enjoying the natural surroundings, but aware that uh, your doctor would appreciate it uh, if you would put sunscreen on because melanoma rates are going sky high and it's a deadly cancer that, you know, and we do, we forget. I hate, you know, I was talking yesterday about the fact that now we're being told that the mosquitoes and ticks. I mean, it's terrifying now, right, to go outside. So I was thinking, actually, yesterday, because I took a walk. I'd put sunscreen on, but I didn't put insecticide on. And I thought, what are you supposed to put on first? First, you slather yourself with, you know, SPF 50 sunscreen, and then you go over the same area with some kind of, insecticide but this is on your face on your hands on any exposed area before you go outside uh, how many of us are going to do that I know I'm not I just I can't be bothered I'll take the risk or something like that but I do try to do sunscreen because I have a dermatologist who has screamed at me about it so, uh, I think that's I think that's a great government service, public health, obviously part of what government is supposed to do, and to have if you offer people the parks, and then you offer them sunscreen because I'm sure some people would never think to use it, so it helps spread good public health. I think that was great. Just saying. I wanted to tell you that. And I want to tell I I suspect this guy is dead, but if he is, he's not much dead. He might have died yesterday, but I don't have any information to that effect. I mean, after all, he's 104, okay? 104. And by his own admission, lived a really good life. His name is David Goodall. And... um. Good-looking, man. Robust-looking. And he was, I'm, I'm not sure, was or is, was, I think, a scientist. Uh, very well-regarded uh, scientist in uh, Australia. And up until um, two years ago, he was still working at 102 he was still working as an honorary research associate at the Center for Ecosystem Management uh, in Perth. And the way he got to work, he took two buses and a train 
to get to his office four days a week at the age of 102. How cool is that? And so I, he also liked to act. He liked to do poetry readings. He did all his own shopping. He lived alone. But on Wednesday, he got on an airplane and flew off to Basel, Switzerland, or Basel. Basel it is, right? Basel, Switzerland. He went there to die. Still healthy, relatively, although weaker. The last year has not been good to him. He fell last month in his apartment, and his physical condition deteriorated, but he's strong as an ox in many ways still, and he frankly didn't want to live anymore. He is not terminally ill, or was not, but he wanted to die. He said, I am not happy. I want to die. It's not sad. What is sad is if one is prevented. I've lived quite a good life until recently. The last year has been very unsatisfactory for me because I couldn't do the things I like to do. And so his world became smaller and he was forced to give up in the last year a lot of things, his acting, driving, all of that stuff. And he wanted it over. But in Australia, there is no such thing as assisted suicide. So in his last days, this 104-year-old man had to get on an airplane and fly to Switzerland. The reason I say he's probably dead now is I was, the article that I got this information from said that he had an appointment for Thursday. He flew on Wednesday there was no, didn't want to go sightseeing before. He just flew there to get this done. He had an appointment on Thursday, so I suspect he's dead. Um, now, the countries that have come around on this uh, subject are Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Switzerland, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands. We also have some American states, as we know. Is it Oregon? Maybe Washington State, too? The District of Columbia, I believe. That offer uh, assisted suicide. But I guess uh, in uh, Switzerland, they allow people, they have actually centers that offer services to foreigners. So that if you want to die legally, you don't want to jeopardize any friends or next of kin who might be willing to help you in that effort. You can always know that you can take whatever money you got and get yourself to Switzerland. And they'll take care of you. That's an apt phrase. They'll take care of you. What 104-year-old human being shouldn't have the right to say enough? So, David Goodall, 104. Australia is um, opposed to this and mostly from pressure from their um, doctors who, who 
understandably say uh, we are trained to save lives, not take lives. It's in in this country, you know, it's against the Hippocratic oath. And yet, a survey of American doctors, of, of people who belong, doctors who belong to the American Medical Association. Do you have to be belong to the AMA if you're a doctor? I don't know. But those who do um, have been polled and support amongst them for assisted suicide is growing. So that a the most recent survey found that 4 in 10 members uh, supported the right to die. I I just I'm sorry. No. And speaking of laws that to me are are I mean I look at this right to die stuff sort of like I look at abortion stuff. I think government should butt out. Butt out. People should have dominion over their own bodies. I mean, we don't have any dominion otherwise, do we? Kings and queens have dominion. We don't. If we don't have dominion over our own bodies, if meddlesome religions or government think they should have more say than you or me. I mean, to me, that is just ridiculous. By the way, I also, um, speaking of ridiculous, uh, you know, to get a job in this country, you have to, a lot of times, I never did, thank God, uh, have to be drug tested. And I guess in my business, they knew enough not to drug test because <laughs> they'd never be able to hire anybody. Um, uh, but a lot of companies um, are starting to, not that they're not testing for drugs, they're not testing for marijuana. If somebody tests positive for marijuana, especially in a state in which it has been decriminalized, they are you know, saying it's no business of ours. Now, obviously, marijuana use on the job is a problem. And I can see where people um, you know, working in as bus drivers or train conductors and stuff like that, airline pilots, would face a much more stringent requirement, people who are responsible for the life of others. But, um, you know, a desk job somewhere? I mean, give me a break. What someone does when they go home, again, none of your business. What the hell is that? Oh, Milt sent me a picture of some insect repellent with sunscreen. There it is. It's called DEET-free bulldog, bullfrog, mosquito coast, sunscreen, it's SPF 30, with insect repellent. Wow. And it's a spray. I like that. But, you know, DEET is really what gets mis- I wonder if DEET-free really works as well. But that, that sounds really good. Thanks, Milton. You're always you're just Johnny on the spot. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. DEET-free bullfrog. Mosquito Coast, it's called. All right. That's it for me. I'm going to go peel the parking ticket off my windshield. If my car is not there, I am going to explode. 
Um, and uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend. And uh, go Pens. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.